and we are live yo 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 what is going on everyone welcome to game breakers it's finally friday you know what time it is you know what that means it's time to go through the week and finally get your long last cold drink i'm not sure what you drink if it's iced tea if it's pepsi if it's water if it's bourbons if it's whiskeys I'm over here naming some nasty liquors. You know, if it's some wine, margaritas, whatever you want. If you're over 21 at least, hey, do what you got to do. But just know you have earned it. You have earned it. Guys, what is going on, man? It's time to get into Game Breakers once again. I feel great because it's almost time for football Sunday once again. And by the way, good afternoon to everyone listening except the LA Kings, the Los Angeles Kings, because they lost me some money last night by losing to the freaking Kraken at home. How do you lose to the Kraken at home? Seriously. I I can't believe it. And it's so disappointing because I called the things that I needed to call for the Thursday night game last night. Obviously, we'll get into that later on. But, you know, I got everything right. And because hockey is back, welcome back, hockey, because I still be, I will be making a lot of money <laughs> this season. You can guarantee that because last year, Mandem came on the scene late. All right, I got some money here and there. But this year, start of the season, I will be in full effect. You know, hockey is one of those sports where it's like you really can't tell how these teams are going to be dominant and score, for me at least. I'm just getting into the, the flow of things, so I don't exactly know the rules as much as I want to, but what I do know is that I know that there are favorites. <laughs> I know there are teams that are not that good based off of last year. And hockey is one of those sports where it's, it's to me, I, I can't really see a game plan. I really can't. I really can't. I think as long as I keep on watching the sport, I'll be able to see much more of a game plan and I'll be able to make more picks and make more different things in the game. But for right now, I can only lean on the knowledge of other people. And what they say, hockey writers and whatnot. But I'm just thinking purely off of who's home, who's the who's the favorite, who just won on opening night against the Golden Knights. You know, you come back home against the Kraken, who were not good last year. You should be able to win that matchup. And they lost me my my money. The only game that 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 did not hit last night. So it is what it is, man. But yes, once again, good afternoon to everyone else, except for the freaking Kings. You guys suck. And I'm not betting on you for the next two games. So you're in the penalty box for me. You are in the doghouse. Anyways, forget all about that, man. Let's dive into some football talk because we have a lot to get into today, as usual, as usual. So let's talk about Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder recently told an close associate, uh, allegedly, apparently, I'm not too sure if this is true or not, that he has gathered enough secrets to blow up several NFL owners, the league office, and even Commissioner Roger Goodell. And he says, and I quote, allegedly, they can't F with me, he said privately. Okay. He also went on to say that the NFL is a mafia. All the owners hate each other. And then one other one owner responded by saying, that's not true. All the owners hate Dan. <laughs> and by the way, if there's more, there is more. All right. So according to more than 30 owners, league and team executive, lawyers and current former commander's employee interviewed by ESPN. The fear of reprisal that Snyder has instilled in his franchise, poisoning it on the field and off, has expanded to some of his fellow owners. 
So some owners basically saying that they they have sources that they've been told that Snyder instructed his law firms to hire private investigators to look into other owners. Now, the league is not getting involved because the owners won't say exactly how they found out about that kind of nonsense it is. But um, they are aware that that Snyder has been claimed to track other owners. And one of those owners is Jerry Jones. Wow, popular figure Jerry Jones, Cowboys, obviously. Snyder was at the game last night, if you saw, if you're watching it on the broadcast. So I'm not going to go into detail about what I think about this, but in regards to this whole dilemma and whatnot, we know that people want their Snyder to just sell the team pretty much and just let bygones be bygones. Not bygones, not bygones, but we want him to sell the team and just end it off then and there. But he's not doing that. He is still the He's still very much integrated within the team, which is a big problem based off of what we've heard in the past about his scandals and shenanigans and issues with the workforce and environment and whatnot. So it's a big problem. It is a big problem. But he claims himself that if he goes down, everyone's going down. Okay. Well, you know, guys, and we shouldn't be surprised that the NFL and its owners, they all have some type of dirt i would not be surprised if they all had some type of dirt that we don't know about because if we're going off of the recent allegations of you know some of these other prominent figures in sports john gruden and now dan snyder and all these other popular names that were found out about right there's reason to believe that there's not the only they, these two guys are not the only ones that have dirt on themselves and apparently according to snyder he has dirt on them so, I'm just going to monitor the situation and see exactly what more information comes out that we can talk about in the future. But for right now, not much to really go off of. All I know is, is that Dan Snyder claims he has dirt on the other owners. They know that. They know, they know that he has hired some private investigators on them to, to watch them, I guess you could say, to find out some more information about them. But we don't really know exactly what will happen as far as penalties and, you know, anything around the fan base of we wanting to expedite the, the process of getting Dan Snyder removed from this team or getting other owners who will be brought to light possibly removed from their teams. So we'll see what happens. But anyways, sticking with the Washington Commanders, let's talk about last night's matchup. Oh, boy. So just when you thought it couldn't have gotten worse, it got worse. We saw more points last time than we did in this previous game. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on, man. Seriously. Seriously. It was terrible to watch. Terrible. My favorite word to use with these teams. Terrible. Terrible. But more than terrible, it was boring. Very boring. You know? And it sucks because the Bears early on looked okay. They looked okay. Because they're moving the football enough for me to believe that they're going to score some points and take the lead and possibly win this game later down the stretch. But what happens? What happens, guys? We have plays within the five-yard line. We have three offensive possessions inside the Washington five-yard line and scored zero points. Zero points. Goal line stop. Obviously, the pick off of the head. I'm not going to blame that on Justin Fields too much because it was just a wacky play in itself, but it was a great play by, I, I believe it was Devon Payne, 
who who it bounced off his head and he just picked it off, right? So we have that, and then obviously at the end of the game, we we have this goal line situation. Um, it it, it sucks. I, I will say that in re- response to that last play, Donna Mooney should catch that ball. Can we talk about it? once again? Justin Fields not having enough help. Donna Mooney is their best receiver. And as their best receiver, you have to catch that football. You have to. If you catch that football, you're already breaking the plane and you maintain possession of the football, it's a touchdown. But he does not do it. He bobbles it, regathers, and then it is what it is. They lose the game. But ultimately, though, let's let's backtrack into the start of the football game, right? So we talked about them not being able to finish their dinner because they had a couple of drives where it was some big plays, but Khalil Herbert, big run for 64 yards. Terrible tackling by the Washington Commanders, but it is what it is. Um, and then on top of that, we had Justin Fields early on looking as if he was going to stretch the field and make some big plays in the passing game. You know, we saw a couple of that. But as the game goes on, he's just getting killed. He is getting killed, guys. Seriously. And I, I feel bad for him. I really do. Because what the hell is going on here? Seriously, what the hell is going on? There was no creativity whatsoever. Whatsoever. He Listen, guys, understand this, right? Justin Fields is not a pocket QB at this point in time. He is not. He is not. So... With that being said, there needs to be some more creativity, especially behind that terrible offensive line, especially. So I'm trying to figure out the Bears offensive coordinator, I think it's Luke Getzky at this point in time. Um, This guy right here, what what is going on? Or is it Luke Getzky or is it Bill Lazor? I, I couldn't tell. I see a, different, a couple of different names here. But... He might be the, I think it's Bill Lazor, actually, Bill Lazor. But either way, though, what is going on with this offense? Because we know that Justin Fields can use his legs to make some big plays, right? He's a fighter, and he is a fighter, by the way, guys. Like This guy got knocked down a couple of times, and the way he was grimacing, I'm over here thinking to myself, he might not get back up. And if he does get back up, he might not play another down in this game. But he got back up. He's a tough kid. Despite what we may think about Justin Fields, we cannot question his guts and his attitude to play the game. It's there. But there was no bootlegs. There was no naked. There was no rollouts. What is going on? And we saw as the night went on that the pressure was up front. Deron Payne up front pushing that, like, you know, Jonathan Allen pushing that pocket up front, which is why later on in the game, when they finally decided to have a game plan, they run the ball away from the middle. The middle is the strength of the commanders. So you run the ball on the perimeter. You get Justin Fields on the perimeter, the outside looking in, you know? Because when they finally ran a bootleg, I, I'm over here thinking to myself already, oh, yeah, this is going to be a big play. It is. It's going to be a big play. Because I, I just knew that this was a look that the commanders were not used to looking or getting, sorry, that entire night. So when they got that bootleg and had Justin Fields running out the pocket, I'm like, okay, someone's going to be open. And someone was open. Darnell Mooney was open. So with that being said, I don't understand what's going on, man. Seriously. 
And then, you know, once again, some jobs by Pettis. I know, I know Pettis caught that big touchdown catch in that game, the only touchdown for the Bears in that game. But let's face it, guys. He's a bottom-tier receiver, and he, he dropped another pass that game, too, when, when they needed it, too, by the way. It was the last drive before they they, – they, the second-to-last drive where they, they went for on a fourth down and it didn't convert. And Justin Fields hit Pettis for – at least like a four yard outright or whatever. You gotta at least catch that. Either way, you get tackled for, you know, be behind the sticks and you get down for fourth down, but you have to at least catch that. Drop that pass. Terrible. Terrible. But anyways, um, regarding Justin Fields though, I know that we spoke about him not having help, but he's also not doing himself any favors. He's not. He is not doing himself any favors. It's all sloppy footwork. It's all backyard football here and there. Listen, and this is the tendency of young QB sometimes. It's the tendency of Zach Wilson sometimes because these guys want to see the big play develop. They want to see the, the, the longer play develop to make a good decision and make a good read when there's already a good decision on the field right then and there. Just got to go through your reads, you know? And, for example, the one play where he saw – one man-to-man coverage against Arnold Mooney in the first quarter, I believe, or second quarter. I forget what it was. Um, he hits him. Well, he tries to hit him, actually. He misses the throw, but he hits him, and it's incomplete. But underneath that route, I think it's either Pettis or Vilas Jones coming across. Just get the first down, bro. Just get the first down. Doesn't see it. He wants the one-on-one matchup because he feels as though his guy can win that matchup. He does win it. He is open, but... If you're gonna make that throw, you have to make that throw. You can't you can't throw it and not make that throw. We have an easy completion on third down to move the chains. That to me is like he's not seeing the field correctly, and it, it comes down to a point of he's not trusting his eyes at all. He's not. There were a couple of throws in that game where he should have made when these guys were open. You talk about him not having receivers, but sometimes those receivers were open. Make those throws, Justin. What are you waiting on? Make those throws. So it is what it is, but um, I'm actually disappointed in that aspect, right? Uh, Brian Robinson, though, looks to be the back going forward. And what I will say about that is that, you know, the running game for the most part was not there in the first half. It came to life somewhat in the second half. But I must say to the commanders, give Antonio Gibson some more carries still. You know, don't go away from what has been serviceable in the past because you saw when he came in the game, ran the football effectively with his limited carries, had a catch at the backfield that he took the at least for 10 yards, I believe. He can still be effective. All right, don't forget about him. He's better than McKissick. Don't get me wrong. He really is, to me, in my opinion. So you can use this Brian Robinson as your lead back, but don't forget about Antonio Gibson as what he can do. I know he had some fumbles in the past. It happens, which is probably the reason why they didn't want to go that route anymore of giving him the most carries in the game, but he still can be effective. Still can be effective. All right. Um, in regards to the teams, both sloppy, once again, very sloppy. Talk about some penalties a lot in that game. Delay a game on the Bears when we have them trying to score a TD after the commanders had just scored a TD for themselves. You know, you push you back five yards. Now, instead of it being fourth and five, it's fourth, it's fourth and 10, you know, Stuff like that is annoying to watch as a Bears fan. And for the commander's standpoint, 
Um, you're trying to take the lead in the in the in the third quarter, and you have a false start, and makes the the whole situation much more harder to overcome. Once again, third and five becomes third and ten. Goal line situation as well too, so there's no first down, which means they end up settling for a field goal. But it all could have been much more simpler. So, so sloppy, guys. So sloppy. I thought the Bears did a good job of, I think it it was Jack Del Rio. You know, or it wasn't Jack Del Rio. I I forget who it was. But the Bears defensive coordinator, right? Drawing a blank here. Oh, yeah, Allen Williams. Allen Williams. Yes, 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 yes. Did a good job last night of forcing Carson Wentz to check the ball down. Why? Because we don't have any deep shots that we're going to give you. Because the one deep shot that they did have in that game, Curtis Samuel drops it. (laughs) Right before the half, drops it. That would have been a big play. But it goes to show you that there was no big plays happening in that game regardless. So Allen Williams calls a defense that knows that he can get them off their heels and get them rattled a bit because they don't have a good offensive line. And by the way, guys, uh, most sacks taken this season, Wentz and Field tied at 23. But anyways, moving on. So we have a case of we're going to let you guys pass the ball, maybe get a completion for three yards. And because we have this fast defense, or fast enough, Roquan Smith, Kyle Gordon was making some plays last night. Jaquan Brisker made some plays last night. Eddie Jackson from the safety position came down and made some tackles last night. Because we have this fast defense, we are going to be able to tackle you behind the line of scrimmage and force you to punt the football, which is what happened most of the night. It worked out. It worked out. You know, for them, for their standpoint, it was a case of we're going to tackle and rally and make you throw some short completions. And we don't fear anything of Carson Wentz and his legs. So that's one aspect. But also, for Justin Fields' standpoint, we're going to just push the pocket up front. And until you guys make adjustments, which you guys didn't do for the most part of that game, we're going to dominate you in that department. So it is what it is, but the turning point obviously comes in the game where Vilas Jones drops the punt, muffs the punt, and that pretty much says it all. At that point in time, it was 6-7 Bears. He drops the punt, or he, he muffs the punt, and the commanders go on to score a touchdown. Congratulations to Brian Robinson to score his first TD after coming back from that horrible, horrible shooting that he encountered. But... I'm glad to see he's back. That's what I will say. I'm glad to see he's back. But a lot of special teams blunders in general. The muff punt that led to the points. And then we had the Bears turning it over on downs. Commanders basically getting the ball at midfield. And then instead of trying to pin, I mean, I guess I get the call, which is not bad. But if you missed that field goal, which you did, instead of trying to pin the Bears deep in their own end zone, no timeouts left. You decide to kick a field goal from 48 yards, and the kicker, he he muffs it. He kicks it wide life, left, right left, which gives the Bears a chance. And by the way, when you got that ball back, and the way Justin Fields was running that, 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 that entire drive, best player of the night for them so far at least, and the way he was running that, that ball, I'm over here thinking to myself, the Bears might pull this off after playing terrible the entire night. But we go back to the goal line situation and them not being able to convert. It is what it is. And Justin Fields also did miss an open receiver in the end zone, an open tight end 
early on in that game, which it would have been points. But so those are kind of throws you got to make. These are the kind of throws you have to make to win these kind of games. So Commanders win. I called the Bears to win that game, but it is what it is. And by the way, guys, some more news. Not really surprising. Another woman has filed a civil lawsuit against Deshaun Watson saying he pressured her into a sex act. Wow. So, you guys already know how I feel about this. And if you don't, he's wrong. He should be suspended, which he is. Um, It's looking bad. It's a bad look on the organization that traded for him. It's a bad look on the organization that, that had him as a QB previously. It's a bad look as on his character. But... I'm not going to go into detail about this because I just know that we're going to keep on dwelling on this topic. And Deshaun Watson, he knows what he did. He knows what he did. They know what he did. So it is what it is. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about the NFL picks for week six. That is bars, man. That is freaking bars. All right. Starting off the list, we have the Niners and Falcons. I'm not going to start with my Jets this time. I'm not. Niners and Falcons. So, with this matchup, it's a case of the Niners obviously being the better team. That's not an issue at all. But their injured team, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Emmanuel Mosley, Jimmy Ward, these are all impact players. All impact players. And regardless, they still do boast the best defense in football, which is a testament as to how good they can be and how good they are at the moment in time. But if you're looking to cover the spread for the Falcons, I would say do it, guys, which is 5.5. I think this game becomes a close game. And, yes, the Falcons don't have Cordell Patterson, and they won't be able to run the football as effectively as he as they would have if he was there. And the Niners do have a, a good defense to stop that anyway. But what you've seen in the past couple of weeks is the Falcons hang around in games. They hang around in games. They make the right plays. And they're basically basically like the Giants where they wait for their striking moment. And when they have that striking moment, they take it. Last week would have been a situation where they would have had that, that chance to do so if for not the roughing the QB uh, penalty that that was placed on Brady Jarrett. So I'm going to call a game for the Niners to win. It's going to be really close, though, 23-20. I would not be surprised if the Falcons cover. Um, but Mariota, though, you know, he's a baller. And they are at home, so it's not a fortress. But with all these injuries, and even if Jimmy Garoppolo is playing much better at this point in time, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to walk over these guys on the road like they have been walking over other teams in the past. The Rams, the Carolina Panthers. I'm not sure about that. The the, the Falcons, to me, are able to manage the game much better than what those last two teams have done so far. So, yeah. Give me the Niners, but I'll get the the Falcons to cover that spread. All right, moving on. Let's go to the Jets and Packers. This game is at 7.5 for a spread. To me, I I understand why. Because the Packers are at home. The Jets are a young team. Zach Wilson, not many people still do believe in the Jets and what they can possibly do. I get it. So I would still say, though, to pick the Jets for the spread. So I got the Packers winning this game 27-20. to Do I envision us having any chance of stopping the run? Possibly not, but I will say, though, that if we have a game plan of stopping the run early in that game, 
and forcing Aaron Rodgers to challenge our CBs. I feel good. Me personally, I feel good about that matchup because DJ Reed is back there. Sauce Gardner is back there. Until these guys get burned, which they haven't so far this season, I'm going to feel confident about us matching up against any receiver. And so far, them matching up against Romeo Dobbs, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, I, I would take my chances on that. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is still there as a backup. I mean, it's a backup. Ooh, I'm sorry about that. He's still there as the, the starter. But this Packers offense isn't the best. It's not. It's not. It's a dink and duck offense. They move the chains here and there, right? But there's not much big plays that make me go, this team is really explosive. It's not. They have some big plays, obviously. But the whole entire offense is not big play-esque. So the only way to win this game is through running the football. And obviously the defense is still top five, in my opinion, or at least it is as far as yardage is concerned for this season. So they're going to try and test Zach Wilson to make sure that he beats them instead of the running game, which was dominant last week against the Dolphins to beat them. So we'll see what happens. It will be a tough matchup. But for me personally, I just want to see my team ball out, be in the game until the fourth quarter, no blowouts. Because I don't believe this Packers team is good enough to blow us out. I don't believe they're good enough to blow any team out at this point in time. You know, if the Bears had a better offense, they would have been in that game. So I, I think that we should be in this game to the end and we should make some plays and we should see something from Zach Wilson because he can't game manage this time around and expect us to win the game. I, I don't envision that at all. But if he can make some plays, we do have a chance to win the game, though. But I'm going to take the Packers 27 to 20. Moving on. Let's talk about the Patriots and Browns. So I have the Browns winning this game 24 to 17. Here's why. I'm still not a big believer in Bailey Zappi. And even though they did win last week, I get that. But I think personally that was down to the Lions' dumb blunders, dumb coaching, dumb situational play calling that led them to lose that game pretty bad in bad fashion. Now, Yes, the Lions have a worse defense than the Browns. The Browns still have a bad defense. That's what it is right now, to be honest. They have an abundance of talent on that defense, but it is very much underperforming at the moment in time. And the Patriots have found something in the running game, which, you know, when you have a rookie QB or any backup QB, you want to lean on the running game regardless. So, yes, Billy Zappi will hand the ball off to Ramondre Stevenson, and they will run the ball 30 times plus with him. They should at least. Because they can. The Browns, are they just gave up 173 yards last week to Austin Eckler. So the thing about the Browns winning this game, though, is that I don't believe they're going to make the same mistakes as the Lions did last week to put themselves in jeopardy. You know, it is Bill Belichick, so he may favor against a guy that he used to coach, Jacoby Brissett. But they do have some talent to move the football, to run the football enough the Browns have been in every game so far thus this season. The Patriots, though, for me, yes, Jack Jones is going to be able to match up well against Amari Cooper, possibly. You never know because he has been playing well. He has been playing that well. But for me, though, it's going to come down to can, once again, Bailey Zappi, because last week we did not get to see Zappi make those plays because the Lions took themselves out the game early on. So, can Bailey Zappi make the plays needed, the bootlegs, the play-action passes needed to keep this team in the game? Game manage. That's it. Because on the road, this defense is probably still good enough to win the game for him. 
depending on what they do as far as just trying to stop the run for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But when the Browns do try to key in on the running game and they're loading up the box and, you know, they're terrible at stopping the run, but they load up the box and they force Billy Zappi to beat them down deep. Can he connect with Jacoby Myers and, you know, Devontae Parker and these kind of guys? I'm not sure if he can. So I'm going to go Browns 24-17, but we'll see what happens, though. The spread for that game is 2.5 for the Browns. Um, I would say take it. I will say take it. Definitely. All right. Jaguars and Colts. Hmm. Spread for that game is two points for the Indy, Indianapolis Colts. Hmm. You know what, guys? I'm still not convinced. <laughs> I'm really not. I am really not convinced. And even though it is tough to beat the team twice, which it, it will be, I'm not convinced about this Colts team. There's nothing downfield. And, yes, the defense will probably play good enough for them to keep them and the whole entire team in the same game, right, to keep the game at reach. But as far as just what I saw from the Jaguars last week, yeah, you lost to the Texans, which is bad. It's a bad loss at home. It really is a bad loss. But you moved the football enough that you were too aggressive on fourth down, which, once again, players, not players, but coaches, taking their teams out the game early or taking their teams out of possibly making some bigger plays in the game or taking some points because they want to be too aggressive on fourth down. But, you know, the the Jaguars match up well. They do. Now, whether or not Taylor comes back this week won't really help, in my opinion, because, yeah, he might come back, but he'll be hampered. He'll be, he'll be working back. And the Jaguars' front is good enough to at least limit him in that department, which they did last time he went out. So that's one thing. Trevor Lawrence, we always have this big issue of whether or not can he take care of the football on the road this time again because his last road game was terrible. I think he had five turnovers in that game. On the road, you have to be able to take care of the football this time, Trevor Lawrence. Take care of the football because this team is not a better team overall, in my opinion, than the Jaguars. It's not. So with that being said, if you can do that, take care of the football and move the football well enough because you do have a passing game that is somewhat respectable, even though I, I do believe that teams are start, starting to find out about the Jaguars in itself. But for the Colts standpoint, they're not a good football team anyway. So I'm going to go Jaguars 23-17. The spread for that game obviously is the Colts two points. But to, to play it safe, I would say take the Jaguars spread. Take the Jaguars spread. Uh, two points, or maybe I'll say I'll say take the Jaguars spread, three point five or or three points, whatever, because I, I'm not a big believer in this coach team. I'm really not. Home or away, home or away. Vikings and Dolphins. Now this game right here will be a close game. The spread of uh three point or three points at least three points. The spread of three points is serviceable for me. It really is because they know that despite Skylar Thompson starting next week possibly. You know, they have a good football team. They do. Now, they have some injuries that will probably hamper this team. But overall, though, if we find a way to get the running game going and then this defense, similar to the Patriots, can keep the game in reach, they can find ways to make sure the game is in reach and to give their offense a chance to at least maybe get a last-second drive for a field goal. You never know. What could happen? So what I think or what I envision happening is that 
they will lean heavily on the running game. Depending on who plays, I think Tyreek Hill probably would play or Jalen Waddle would play. They're going to have these short passing concepts of just getting the ball in these guys' hands and just trying to let these guys run, run after the catch and let them get two, three more extra yards to make it third and manageable, right? So that we can lean on the run game again and give Raheem Mostert some more carries to just wear down this Vikings defense, you know? So that's one thing that I can see happening in this game, if it's Thompson or not. From the Vikings standpoint, though, this team, once again, doesn't have the best interest at stepping on the necks of other teams, being dominant. Doesn't really feel like a 4-1 team, but there will be some shots downfield, right, for the Vikings as far as just one-on-one coverage with Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen is back in business again. And as long as you don't go away from the run game too early in this game, you should keep the offense honest enough to at least where you can have a chance to at least give yourself some cushion in this game. Now, this will be a road test for the Vikings. They didn't really have the biggest road test. And it's it's funny because the biggest road test is going to come against the Dolphins led by Skylar Thompson. But their last road game was the Lions. (laughs) You know, it it was the Lions. Uh, So with that, oh, wait, that, that, that game was home, actually. I think that game was home. But they really haven't had any road games where I feel like they could be challenged. They they don't, you know. So with that being said, oh sorry, the last road game was against was against the Eagles. That that, that game they got pummeled. Yes, they got pummeled in that game. Sorry, but the last road game was in London, neutral site. So as far as my belief in this team on the road is still wavering, but I I think that because of the matchup and because of who they're playing at QB that will give them the edge, the slight edge to get this win on the road. So I'm going to go Vikings 24-20, but I wouldn't be surprised if a couple plays go the Dolphins' way and they find a way to win this game. Moving on, we have the Saints and the Bengals. Bengals are favored in that game by two points. You know what's funny, guys? I'm going with the Saints here. I am. Because, one, it's about matchup again. It's about matchup. We saw last week that the Ravens, didn't have to pull any blitz packages, no stunts to really get some pressure up front because you're playing the Bengals. That's why. So when it comes to the back end, they are not compromised and there's no creativity in the Bengals offense anyway for them to really challenge the Ravens down deep. Like Burrow said, they don't have anything down deep. There's nothing down deep. So as long as you have a good defensive line, which the Saints do, Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan and those boys, as long as you guys can get pressure up front with your front four just alone, maybe you throw a blitz here and there, maybe you send one rusher here and there, that secondary can do its job to the point where they're not going to be beaten down deep. They're not going to let Jamar Chase beat them down deep, T. Higgins on a go route, Tyler Board in the middle on a go route. You know, that's not going to be happening. So the Bengals, it, it's tough for them to look worse than what they have been in the past. But they, they did that last week, at least. You know, they went against the Dolphins, and they looked worse, terrible against the worst-ranked defense at that time in the Ravens. So, But it's all about matchups, though. It's all about matchups. And the, the Saints, once again, you know, the Bengals do have a good defense. I, I will not deny that. But I feel as though whenever you have an element to your team, such as Taysom Hill, 
that to me should give you an edge in any department as far as just what they are not being able to game plan for. What can they do at that specific play? What can they do? I don't know because we don't know what they're going to do as in the Saints. We have no clue what they're going to run. So use that two QB system to at least keep them honest. And any Dalton has proven that he can at least move the ball somewhat down the field, right? To the point where I don't really believe the Bengals are going to win this game confidently or dominantly. So I'm going to go with the Saints here. I'm going to go with the Saints uh, 21, oh, sorry, 24-21. But the Bengals to me, though, they have to find ways to at least get something moving as far as the passing game. They can't allow these guys to push them up up front. But I can't really be confident in that because they have been allowing every team so far to push them up front in every game, every game. So, you know, it is what it is. I think the Bengals lose that game. Uh, Ravens and the freaking Giants. Oh, I was about to say the bum Giants. <laughs> I hate the Giants. Anyways, Ravens at 3-2, and two, Giants at 4-1. and one. So, this is going to be a game where it may not be – it's going to be sloppy at times, but it has potential to be a big play game because of who's on the field, Saquon Barkley, Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm, I'm going to pick the Ravens to win this game 23-16, to 16, but make no mistake about it. If the defense does play better, it's because it's against the Giants. You know, like they don't have any passing game to challenge these guys downfield, which will bode well for the Ravens. And now on top of that, if you can get that going for you, now it's a case of we can get pressure with our front four against this Giants line that isn't that good. See where I'm going with this, guys. And then we move to the Giants side of things. Now we're going to be forced to run the football because we usually run the football in every game. That's how we get the game started anyway. And the Ravens' standpoint, they can load up the box, you know, because they're not challenging us down deep anyway. So why can't we load up the box and force them to, you know, use Daniel Jones to win the game, which he has been playing efficient. He has been playing good enough for them to win these games. But when it comes to leaning on his arm to try and win you the football game, are we still really confident about that? I'm not too sure. And on the other side of the football, Lamar Jackson here. All right, Lamar Jackson. Giants defense has been playing much better. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's no easy no easy accomplishment to hold the Packers to no points in the second half, even, even, even if they're playing better offense. But Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. J.K. Job, JK Jobbins has found something in the running game. He has gotten, gotten some more carries, so they'll feed off of that. And as far as just the play passing is concerned, I mean, it's not a, a great pass defense, even though it is top 10, I believe, right now. Um, but there will be something downfield. And if there's nothing downfield for the Ravens, at least you have Lamar Jackson where you can go, okay, I can bail out my receivers or my offense with my legs. So I'll go Ravens here 23-16. Um, but I won't be changed or wavered in how well the defense plays because it is a Giants and vice versa. Like, I, I won't believe that the Ravens or the Giants will look great because they beat up on the Ravens' defense. It's still pretty much bad. It really is. Um, moving on, though. We have the Buccaneers and the Steelers. Oof. Okay. I mean, what more do I have to say about this game, guys? <laughs> Seriously. Are you going to expect me to say, oh, Kenny Pickett's going to come out here 
be decisive and they're going to have something downfield as far as the short passing game and then allow these receivers to make play. No, 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 stop it. Arguably, this is a better defense than what they're playing last week. And both of these games oh, are going to be tough for Kenny Pickett to go up against. Jamal Dean, Carlton Davis, you know, they're not, they're not going to allow you to run the football anyway. So it's going to be on Kenny Pickett to make some plays against Todd Bowles. Yo, one week you have Sean McDermott. Next week you have Todd Bowles. What a matchup problem. What a matchup problem. Seriously. So I don't really envision anything downfield for them. Anything. Now they're home, so I'm going to give them a couple of touchdowns. Maybe 14 points. That's about it. But I'm going to pick the Buccaneers 30-14 to 14 because, one, they won't be able to stop the run. Two, Tom Brady, if they do somehow any, any way possible... Stop the run. Tom Brady, and you saw last week of how he was carving up that, that Falcons defense early on in the first half, is going to have a field day against these guys. A field day in that secondary. So, yeah, no. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers here. Um, it's unfortunate that your first two matchups are against the Buccaneers and the Bills, Kenny Pickett. But I'm not going to go crazy, once again, because it is Todd Bowles and Sean McDermott. So if he does struggle again... I'm going to say it's due to these great defensive coordinators that are making him look this bad. But if he looks good, though, in this matchup, then we have some hope for the future. But nothing more to say about this game. If you're going to have the spread, which is nine points, take that spread. You know, take that spread for me. Um, Rams and the Panthers. Hmm. This game will be sloppy. Will be very sloppy. Woo-wee! So... The Rams, obviously, I'm picking the Rams to win this football game, 20 to 14. But 20 to 14 scoreline is an example of why this game will be so sloppy. It won't be fun to watch. Cooper Cup, you stop Cooper Cup, you stop the whole offense. You know, the, the Panthers, unfortunately, the Panthers don't have a great defense to stop the run. But even better, the Rams don't have a good offense line or a good running game anyway. So what are we going to work with here? Like, what, what, what's going to happen this game? What are we going to work with here? Seriously. Uh, I don't want to watch this game at all. But, you know, when I'm going to go do my, my film review and whatever I do to try and see what the game was, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to see these terrible plays because the Rams are not playing some good football at all. They're really not. The Panthers are going to have a new head coach at that time, new defensive coordinator. So they may have some spark to them. They may have some spark to them. But I, I just think that even though the Rams have been playing some bad football so far, um, there is still some hope of making the playoffs, right? And if you lose this game, there's no hope at all. I'm sorry. You know, you lose on the road to the Panthers and you go to two and four, there's no hope at all at winning anything and going to the playoffs. No, not at all. Not at all. At that point, you're, you're in the mode of the Cardinals – Seahawks range of, you know, in that pack of just being bad, sometimes being okay, but just being bad ultimately. So, no. Um, I'm going to roll the Rams here, but we have to see some more creativity, man. We have to. I mean, you just have to. You can't go more weeks again of just trying to force feed Cooper Cup and not doing anything. Any screens, any bubble screens to Allen Robinson, not Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson. Anything to Daryl Henderson downfield as far as just, you know, using the, the wheel route option. I don't know. Something. Something. 
because they're going to be starting P.J. Walker. No, no disrespect to my guy, but seriously, he's a backup for a reason. And he's not going to be better than Baker Mayfield, I don't, I don't anticipate. So come on now. Like, you can't lose this game. You just can't. You just can't. Cardinals and Seahawks, I'm picking the Seahawks 31-28. to Here's why. Yes, I understand that the Seahawks have a terrible, downright trash defense. Nothing to boast about except for Tariq Woolen. Nothing. Quandre Diggs, possibly. That's about it. Trash. But what I will say is that the Cardinals, even though they find ways to manage the game and, you know, they play some type of game plan that keeps them in the game somehow, some way, even though they are playing downright bad. But they have this game plan similar to, similar to the Giants, similar to the Falcons, that, I mean, they're not really waiting for their striking distance because they're, just, they're trying to win the game in itself. But for the Cardinals' standpoint, they're just trying to manage the game and make sure that the game does not get out of reach. For this situation, though, they have much more hope for anything for offensive playmaking is concerned. But the issue is they're coming in injured. I mean, this team already doesn't have a running game as it is, but the whole running back core is injured. James Conner, you know, Benjamin, you know, like these guys are just not healthy at the moment in time. And they signed a couple of practice players too to the practice squad, but that's going to be a big factor. So now it becomes a case of they already didn't have a running game. We can now focus in on putting eight guys back deep, you know, eight, eight, seven guys back deep and for, forcing Calamari to pick us apart, which he possibly still can do. But I will take my chances of him trying to do that against our coverage-based system as opposed to them trying to run the football down our throats. Not going to happen, you know? So that could bode well for the Seahawks at home. At home, by the way. Notice I said at home, at home. On the road, maybe a different story, but at home. Geno Smith has been cooking, again, has been cooking. And they're going to have some big players downfield. It is still a not bad defense from the Cardinals' standpoint, but they're going to be some big players downfield if they were able to make some big plays against the Saints. How much against the Cardinals? Come on. Seriously, guys, think about it. So, yeah, the Cardinals will lose this game by probably three points, in my opinion. But the Seahawks, even though the Cardinals are favored in this game by 2.5, to me, guys, take the spread. For the Seahawks, take the spread. If you're feeling a little bit safe on the safer side, take the spread of maybe 4.5 plus 4.5. But to me, though, I personally think that they're not going to lose this game. I really don't. Game of the week, Bills and the Chiefs. Woo! I like this game matchup. You know, what's funny is that both teams are improved on the defensive end, right? The Bills got scary on defense the Chiefs have become more competent on defense, right? But the issue is, is despite who we want to put as number one for the QB, best QB in the league for Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, despite all of that, it's going to be a matchup problem for the Chiefs. Why? Because last week we spoke about it. Get pressure up front and you have a chance. Max Crosby up front had a chance and they were winning that game. Set the tone early. Two, the Bills have this, even though they, they have some injuries, but it seems like they're getting a little bit healthier. They have a, a D-line that can rotate players freshly off and just keep on bringing the pressure, bringing the pressure, bringing the pressure, bringing the pressure, right? So with that being said, I don't know if that's going to have the Chiefs 
or help the Chiefs in the, in the instance of them getting some big plays downfield, as they are usually used to doing. So the Bills' standpoint is a case of Josh Allen. We get it. The Chiefs' secondary is not it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's not mediocre. It's okay. But it's Josh Allen, though. And from the past couple of weeks of how he's been playing some great football, I'm not sure if he stops this week, you know, on the road or not. I'm not sure if they can contain him in his running ability. And you would hope for them to get any pressure up front with Chris Jones and force him to at least escape the pocket laterally, not vertically, laterally, as in force force the containment, and then you get pressure up front with Chris Jones, possibly. That would be the game plan for me. But either way, though, I don't see how the train stops. I really don't. And the Chiefs, one element that can help them in this department is the running game. Now, it was not there last week for the most part. You know, it is the Raiders. So they, they the Raiders did a good job, to me, of stopping the run. But if you can get the run going against the Bills, which I don't really anticipate happening, but if you can get the running game going, then there are some opportunities for some big plays downfield because now they have to key in for McKinnon and Pacheco, you know, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, these guys. So now they're going to be worried a little bit about that, which a little bit you give Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have that chance to win any times or not, right? So it is what it is. But I'm going to call the Bills to win this game 31-27. to Now, as far as the spread is concerned, guys, I'm not picking anything for spread because you just never know what could happen in this kind of game, right? So I'm, I'm going to lean off of just what I believe is going to happen, which is the Bills winning this matchup. Pat Mahomes, first underdog, first time being an underdog at home ever in his career. But we know that the Bills, the Chiefs, these guys are direct opponents as far as just who will stop each other from making the Super Bowl this season. So right now, matchup one. Cowboys and Eagles, now this game will be a great game to watch. There are still some question marks about these teams, but from what we know off of look is that the Eagles have a well-rounded team. The Cowboys are being led by that great defense so far this season. Now the issue is, I just want the Eagles to keep the running game intact. Don't go away from the running game. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Why? Because once you do that, it bodes well for the Cowboys. They have some press men, Trayvon Diggs, notably, to stop that passing attack enough for them to win the game. You know, so I want to see the Eagles just be able to keep the game intact. Keep the game intact. That's it. That's it. Don't do too much. You have a good offensive line. Now, it will be challenged. Don't forget, like, the Cowboys' D-line is, is, is good now. Michael Parsons is there. So they will still make some plays of their own. They will still get, get in the backfield, put some pressure on Jalen Hurts. Of course, it'll, it'll be there. It'll be there. But that still should not sway you from running the football and keeping your whole entire playbook intact to where – you can take some deep shots with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith because these guys can still beat man-to-man coverage regardless, right? Especially A.J. Brown. And I'm going to call this again. <laughs> this will be the game where Cooper Rush gets found out. He didn't get found out last week because last week, special teams played well, defense played well, the running game was there, coaching was there again. 
and he all he had to do was just throw for 102 yards and win the football game. He can't do that again and win this time. He can't. He just can't. So, with that being said, they need to have a running game similar to last week to help them win that game, which I don't think they will because it's a, a better it's a it's a better running defense in my opinion. They have guys up front that can at least stop that attack. You know, so I don't feel confident in saying that the, the Cowboys are going to have 130-plus yards against this team. No, probably not. They're going to make sure that they stop the run, and they should know that. Like, you should know, stop the run and force Cooper Rush, even though he has been playing well this season, like he's been game managing. That's all he's been doing so far. He's been game managing. When the big play is there, you go for it. But don't turn the football over, which he has done at a high level. I will give him that. But you should know coming into this matchup that as long as we stop the run, he has nothing downfield. We can, we have cornerbacks. We have Darius Slade. We have James Bradbury, who has been playing much better in recent seasons, <laughs> at least. You know, these guys can hold CeeDee Lamb and Noah Brown. So we have a matchup that works in our favor. Just stop the run. That's your main goal. Stop the run. Stop the run. Now, the game will be close because of how good the defense for the Cowboys is and because of how dominant I think they can be in that game. But I'm going to go Eagles 20-17 to in another game where they're going to try and face adversity and they're going to try and win this game, especially at home. But if you do win this game at home against a good defense in the Cowboys, a great defense in the Cowboys, then the questions I will have about the Eagles team will disperse, obviously. Because my question is, when they face good teams, and, you know, you play who's in front of you. It doesn't matter. You play who's in front of you. But when you play a good team, and so far, the Cowboys with Cooper Rush is the best team so far they have played. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, you know? Can you believe that? These guys beat up on the Cardinals. Not a good team. Jaguars, eh. Commanders, eh. The, uh, the Vikings, question marks about that team, by the way. Question marks. Lions, eh. You know, so the Cowboys to me are the better team of any of the teams that I just mentioned. With that being said, if you beat this team and go to six and zero, less questions will be asked of you. Just saying, just saying. Moving on, last game of the week. Probably talk about this more in depth, but Broncos and Chargers. I'm not going to say too much about this game, except of who I'm picking in that game. I got Chargers twenty six and sixteen. Um, just the fact that you know the Broncos offense is not it right now. Russell Wilson is a bit injured right now. Uh, there's no running game to be had in that game, which should bode well for the Chargers because they are terrible at stopping the run anyway. Also, by the way, if Kenny Allen can come back in that game, that would be a big boost for the team. The Chargers have Justin Herbert. The, the Broncos have Russell Wilson, which is sad to say at this point in time, but I'm not going to go into depth. I'll, I'll probably talk about that a little bit more as it gets closer to that date. But that is your week six matchups. Be sure to check out some more picks for next week, obviously. And we'll go through the week recap next episode or maybe next two episodes, depending on how I feel. All right. Let's dive into some basketball talk. Basketball talk. So obviously we knew this, but it just breathes for some more conversation. So CJ McCullum came out and said that the Warriors are at the top of the conference. He says, and I quote, I think it's Golden State and the rest of us. There's a lot of teams that have talent, but they are the only proven team, which is very true, CJ. Very true that you acknowledge that. They are the best proven team of 
any team in the conference. But for right now, I can make a, a big argument for a lot of teams moving forward. I really can. I really can. Let's start with the, the Pelicans, by the way, for, with his team. You guys know how I feel about the Pelicans. You guys know. CJ, Brandon Ingram, Zion, even though if he's in, even though he's injured right now, he's gonna come back and be dominant in my opinion. This team has a good core of young talent. Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, a good coach so far. I like this team. I do. A good big man and Jonas Valachunas. I like this team a lot. So yes, I'm not saying and I'm not making any predictions of who's gonna dethrone the Warriors, but I'm saying. These, to me, are teams that can give the Warriors a run for their money. Just these teams I'm about to list right now, for me, in my opinion. The Pelicans. The Grizzlies want all that smoke. We don't have to, you don't have to go about that either way. We already know what, how they feel about the Grizzlies. How both teams feel about each other. You know? Oh, by, by the way, we're breaking news, guys. Cardinals rule out James Conner. Running back Darrell Williams. No Matt Prater. No Trevon Mullen against the Seahawks, which also does prove my point as to why the Seahawks will win that game. Anyways, moving on. Um, Yeah, back to the Grizzlies. We want all the smoke. All the smoke. Last year was a second seed. They're going to still be there. All right. Denver Nuggets. MVP Nikola Jokic. You get back Michael Porter. You get back Jamal Murray. There's no reason why this team can't win. There's no reason why. After not having these two guys, and winning one game last year. Think about it, guys. Think about it. Jamal Murray is a problem. He's a problem. I think that he's going to remind a lot of us this season as to why this team, as in the Nuggets, were to be taken seriously in the bubble and further on. The Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, John Wall, Paul George. I like the bench roster. It's nice. It's good enough. Amir Coffey, Robert Covington, Rodney Hood. I like that. It's not bad enough. It's not bad at all, to be honest. Norman Powell is not a bench player, but he's going to be a key, a key factor for this team. Moving on, the Dallas Mavericks. Sure, I don't really have my my I don't have the best interest in the Dallas Mavericks, but I can't denounce what they did last year. Can't denounce that. I cannot denounce what they did last year in terms of trying to make it to the finals, all right, behind Luka Doncic. You lost Jalen Brunson. Okay, whoop-de-doo, fine, right? It is what it is. But for the people that believe in this team, hopefully Dinwiddie can take a step further. Luka Doncic already, obviously. Tim Hardaway is going to come back from injury. Jaden Hardy, who I do like as a rookie, by the way, if he can somewhat be serviceable for this team, they'll be good enough. You traded for Christian Wood. You, you, you got JaVale McGee as your, your center. Now they're not as small as they were last year. So, yeah, there's a, a case to be made for them, but I'm not too big on them. There's probably like They're probably at the bottom tier of my list for teams that can knock off the Warriors at this point in time. But the Suns, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, D.A., and don't forget about them, obviously. I don't have to go too much into that. I really don't. The Trailblazers, guys, please. Join the bandwagon with me, please. Just please do it. If they do terrible next season, I will take that in the chest. I will. But I I do believe that, I mean, and once again, this is going to be a team that's going to be probably towards the end of the list as as far as teams that will be dethroning the, the Warriors. But Dame Lillard, Anthony, Anthony Simons, 
you know, Shaden Sharp has looked explosive. I'm not sure exactly how much minutes he's going to get for the season, but he's looked explosive so far. Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart, Keon Johnson, Yusuf Nurkic is still there. Gary Payton second is still there. A lot of wing defenders, a lot of athleticism, which I think can help them win games. I really do. So when I, when I think about it, I think about probably, oh, the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves too, obviously. You know, I can't talk about the Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert is now there with that team, provides some size and depth, which can hurt some of these smaller teams, by the way. Cat, D'Lo, Vanderbilt. I like that unit. I really do. So if I'm I'm saying wholeheartedly, right, I think that maybe one, two, three, four, possibly five teams I would make a case for for trying to dethrone the Warriors next season. The Lakers, not so much. But five teams, the Suns, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, the Clippers, sorry, six teams, six teams, six teams. Maybe I, I'd probably say five, depending on how the Pelicans play next season, but I'd probably say six teams, in my opinion. So with that being said, McCullum, you're right about that. The Warriors are the standard right now. They are the top, the peak of the peak. But next year, for me, will be the hardest for any Western Conference team to make it out the end of the Western Conference next season. Why? Because we always talk about how the Western Conference is loaded and whatnot, but to be honest, to me, it hasn't been the best loaded situation in the past couple of years. But I can legit make a case for any of these six teams, aside from the Warriors, depending on what they do and their components for the team and the coaching and obviously like that. And the, the, the obviously, we talk about the injuries too. But you take all that into account, I can make a case for any of these teams, six teams, to make it out the West, if I'm being honest with you. So we'll see what happens. But... It's going to be some fun days to watch. NBA is going to come back. We're, what, four days away? Looking good. NBA, we're going to kick it off with the, the Bucks and the 76ers, right? The Warriors and the, and, the, and the Lakers. I like it. No, sorry, the Bucks and 76ers. The 76ers and the Celtics, sorry. Celtics, I hate the Celtics. Oh, I hate the Celtics. And the Lakers and the Warriors. So we're going to get to see some basketball, some real basketball. And we're going to get back to our recap of the night. And, you know, by the way, just to give you guys some future analysis, I'm not going to go through every game as in, like, trying to give you guys who scored points and what. I'm going to do things a little bit differently this time around. Now I'm going to say I'm going to pick two players from each team that was the top performer for that night and move on, keep it moving. If it gets too long, I'll probably pick one player. But it, it just because it, it gets in the way sometimes. It really does. Because going through every game, there's about what six, seven games at least a night. So to do that, that'll be too much. That'll be a little bit too much. But we'll see what happens. All right, guys. What a great, great episode, man. What a great episode once again with your boy Eddie. Will should be back next week, hopefully, but I keep on saying that every time we come on here and he's never back. So, you know, I don't want to keep on making false accusations and false statements here but we'll see what happens anyways you know what time it is man keep on supporting the brand keep on following game breakers on tiktok instagram twitter facebook i'm just lying i just like to say facebook but there's no facebook here but you know be on the lookout for my post for twitter 
in regards to what I say. You can catch a snippet of that. If you didn't catch the whole entire podcast, you could catch at least something that was worth talking about in the podcast from what I deem is respectable enough to post on social media. And then we'll go from there. But anyways, guys, have a great weekend. Have some great, great games to watch with football, the NHL, if you are a hockey fan, with some soccer, if you are a fan of the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, whatever. Whatever. But mostly football for me this weekend. You know, get your bets and ready because, listen, this week, I don't know. I might come back and I might be a millionaire. And you guys might have to talk to me a different kind of way now. Seriously. I might come back and I might stunt on these hoes. Pause. That was kind of max. But anyways, I don't care. All right, guys. We are out. Peace.